feels great. It was a bit of a journey. The Black and Write Fellowship is a fantastic opportunity for Indigenous writers. It uh, allows you the opportunity to work with the Black and Write team for 12 months, and they are based out of the State Library of Queensland. So you do 12 months of editing with them, and then they pass you along to a publisher, which I believe these days they're working with Hachette, and you edit with the publisher as well. So it's a really great opportunity, particularly for early career writers to get involved in the editing process and in a way that's less scary than going directly to a publisher. So I think that the work really benefited from that that experience of um, back and forth editing um, over the years and it's it's really at a stage where it's the best it, it can be and it really evolved and... Uh, you know, I've been getting some great feedback on it. So I really would recommend uh, Black and Right to any Aboriginal authors who are, or Torres Strait Islander authors who are thinking about submitting. Now, Janali, why did you want to write a book which subtly explores cultural identity? I wanted to look at culture in a way that was less, uh, I guess, the main focus of the book. Um, because I think it's important to have different kinds of Indigenous voices out there, different experiences of culture as well. Um, you know, a lot of Aboriginal Australians live on the east coast of Australia and we live in cities. And Western Sydney actually has the highest population of um, Indigenous Australians. So I think that actually surprises a lot of people. And Kay is from, the protagonist is, is from Western Sydney. So I wanted to show another voice of Indigenous Australia that is not necessarily present in other literature. Um, but I think that's important to, you know, particularly for young people, young adult, to have different representations of, of culture and Aboriginal identity. Now, Tanali, what is going on in Kaya's life? I mean, this book starts with her getting pretty much yanked out of bed, uh, told to grab uh, clothes within 10 minutes, and then she's kind of off. And then we kind of meet her sort of six months later. So Kaya's in her final year of school. So before all this goes down, you know, she's been worrying about HSC exams coming up, what she's going to do after school. So she's still got all of those teenage things sort of bubbling away at the back of her mind. She still feels, you know, quite rebellious despite the fact that she has to be in hiding with her mother. And her mother has all these strict rules about not contacting anyone that they know, no no contact with people from Sydney, no internet, that sort of thing. So she kind of wants to rebel against those in her sort of typical teenage way. But at the same time, she does realise what danger they're in because her father's not around anymore. Um, but at the same time, uh, through the whole whistleblower process, she inadvertently got caught up in that and she uh, is suffering from PTSD because of it. And she has this aspiration to to, to sort of take her father's place as a witness um, in the trial. So she's trying to recover the memories that she's lost as 
uh, one of the effects of suffering from PTSD. Um, and the, so through that journey, the reader gets to learn more and more about what happened as Kaya recovers her memories. But a lot of it is around, you know, Kaya's not sure who to trust and, and she really just wants her life back. And so it's a struggle with all of these things going on uh, whilst being in, in the Blue Mountains. Janelle, what prompted you to take a look at this focus of kind of the way that PTSD works, uh, how um, Kay is dealing with her trauma and what was that experience that you wanted to put into this book and where does that come from? I suppose initially I, I did write a draft where there wasn't a lot of that in it. There wasn't a lot of um, acknowledging or dealing with trauma of any sort. And I just thought that, you know, it wasn't very, very realistic to go through, you know, some of the events of being around, you know, criminals who are threatening you and who end up killing members of your family without there being some kind of um, impact on you. Um, and I drew from some of my experiences of, of trauma, which I live with through some events that happened from my early childhood. Thankfully, I don't have PTSD, which is quite serious. I only have mild trauma, but I use some of my um, experience in that area, which for me is a lot of irrational reactions or emotional reactions to things that, that you know, are, are quite illogical and out of place. And over my journey of, you know, talking to people about it and working through trauma, learning how to deal with that. So I was able to put some of that into the book, but I also had to do a lot of research into PTSD, uh, what it's like for people living with that and, and some of the symptoms that they experience. And I think that that just gave it a lot more authenticity in terms of, you know, the situation that they're in and just shows that, you know, although she does suffer through this, she's actually quite a strong character because she is able to overcome that to, to get where she's going. Janali Kaya finds her mum a little bit overbearing, particularly around these rules. And, um, you know, she starts kind of, she has a little place that's kind of hers that she goes to, which is the bookstore. And she's been hoarding these books <laughs> under her beds. And it's kind of her escape, I think, isn't it, of um, just having that little bit of a break from her mother and her rules. But how would you describe Kaya's relationship with her mother? I mean, how is that, um, you know, since they've had to leave and since they're kind of trying to keep out of the public eye and trying to keep themselves away from danger? Yeah, it's a strange relationship because, you know, it's quite common. I, I, I feel that, you know, obviously you love your parents both very much, but often there'll be one parent who you might share more interests with or you just, you know, conversation always flows more freely with. And so for Kaya, that was always her dad. She was always very close to her dad and her mother, who's a bit sort of flighty was the parent that she would spend less time with. So with her dad now out of the picture, she's suddenly in close quarters 24-7 with her mother. And it's, it's sort of, a, you know, because of the the way that she, she wants to rebel, but she can't really, the relationship is always just sort of <laughs> skating on the edge a bit. She, you know, she has to put a lot of trust in her mother. And I think that, you know, her mother isn't, sort of fully aware of, of the changing dynamics. And she she herself is it's quite ironic, actually, that you mentioned the books because I don't think Kay is quite aware of the connection there because her mother is an author and, 
and she writes, you know, Mills and Boone style (laughs) (laughs) books. And um, yeah, obviously Kaya follows in her footsteps and, and there are a lot of similarities there although you know she loves her mom they they do sort of clash I think mostly because of of the close quarters that they're in and that's an interesting dynamic of a of a teenager who wants to rebel but realizes if she does she could end up dead because they're kind of um you know trying to stay out of this court case at the moment and I mean that must have been an interesting dynamic um to be able to work with as well as part of this manuscript yeah definitely and I think that in some ways there's at the back of Kaya's mind, she knows that there's things that her mother isn't telling her about or that she's reluctant to talk about. And, um, you know, like, for example, Kaya's mother had a falling out with her grandmother and her grandmother was this, you know, mat- matriarch of this community, uh, an Aboriginal leader in this small rural town. And, and because of that rift in the family, Kaya's lost connection with a lot of her own Aboriginal culture. And I think that that's kind of behind it as well, because Kaya doesn't understand why her mom is so angry at her grandmother. But again, it's a thing that, you know, her mother, for her own reasons, isn't perhaps ready to talk to her daughter about this huge fight that she's had with her own mother. Yeah, so it's it's complicated. It's a complicated relationship. Janali, as part of this book, how did you go about keeping track? Because Kaya's going through sort of hypnosis sessions um, with her psychologist and there are flashbacks in this where she's trying to piece together everything that's happening and she's got those memories of her father. So how did you keep across that while you were writing this from sort of what is happening in her mind to what's actually happening in her life? Yeah, it was definitely uh, a difficult process. And in terms of fitting all of the flashbacks and the memories in, uh, into the narrative in terms of like where each one should go was definitely, um, you know, something that I had to move certain scenes around um, the place to see where they fit best. And when I when I was dealing with my trauma I went through um, uh, sessions of cognitive behavior therapy it was really interesting because they do this therapy where you're basically watching a red light go from left to right and (laughs) that's all it is you're just staring at this light and it helps you to strangely it helps you to recover memories so I thought that that was a really interesting technique but wouldn't quite work for the book so that's kind of why it's a more sort of um, I guess familiar in terms of the fictional um, world that we that we know um, to have it as a sort of more hypnosis style or recollect recollection of memories, um, but yeah, it did involve a lot of going back and and reading through and making sure that the information was being revealed at the right place to to um, to fit in with the with the narrative. So, Janelle, I mean, what was the time frame from you finishing this manuscript to then um, becoming a winner of Black and Right to then going to the editing? I mean, what was that process like for you? And was there a, a certain amount of time between you finishing that manuscript and then when you went to editing? So I had heard about Black and Right since it uh, first began, which I believe was around 2011 or maybe 2012 and ever since I had sort of heard about it I wanted to submit something for it but the work that I was mainly focused on I didn't feel was quite right for it so I actually wrote my father's shadow 
with the intent of submitting it to Black and Right. So the November, I think, well, it used to close in early January or February. I'm not sure if that's still um, the time frame that they do it. But in November, I did a National Novel Writing Month, which is uh, also known as NaNoWriMo, which is basically where you write about 1,600 words every day for the whole of November. It's a great pro- It's a great month. <laughs> yeah, it's a very busy month. <laughs> it gets you motivated. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah, so I've done it. I've done it a few times. Don't don't always succeed, but I did that year. So I mean, I wrote most of it. I wrote the full draft, the full horrible first draft in that month, <laughs> and then submitted it. You know, a few months later after doing you know some edits. But I think that uh, you know the black and white team they really were able to. Um, to find something in terms of of the voice and the style that they they thought would be successful, and and from that is when you know they're like, oh yeah, we can work with this, we can edit this, rather than it was a polished perfect piece that I wrote in one <laughs> month. You know, unfortunately, I'm not that talented, but um, yeah. So there was the twelve months with um, Black and Right. And then, yeah, a few years with Magabala, and uh, that was sort of on and off. There were a few times where the schedule was was moved around, and but yeah, it was yeah, it was so I'd say a few years. But I think that now I know more about the process and how how the editing all works. That um, for my next one will probably be a, a lot quicker. But having said that, I do think that all the all the time that we put into it, um, it really did. Do it, do the work justice. And so, what was that process like of having to then go back and kind of start to do those rereads and to start to kind of think about those different things? I mean, what were the um, the early editing notes that you got as part of this, and how did you take those? I mean, it can sometimes be hard taking on those comments and and how to make your book better. There were a lot of themes in the original draft that. Magabala were just like, you can't include this in young adult. <laughs> it won't work. <laughs> if you think about, you know, what's the difference between young adult writing and adult writing? Like in terms of themes, you know, the things that you don't want to see in young adult is like graphic sex scenes, <laughs> gore, swearing. too much horror, you know, a lot of swearing. Yeah, there was a lot of that sort of thing in it. So <laughs> I had to, you know, take a lot of that stuff out and because – those things were sort of interwoven. It, it really was quite a, a gutting, but I think that I think that you know when I first got that note, note it was kind of like, oh, that's quite a large. Like it was, you know, just one or two sentences, but the impact of those two sentences was <laughs> was massive in terms of time invested investment. So I think I was a little bit sort of taken aback, but I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm. You know, Magabala have been around for a while. They know what they're talking about. They know the market better than I do. So I really trusted that, you know, if this is the way it has to go, then that's going to be the best thing for the story, the best thing for the book. So I don't I don't know if I'll be that flexible on my next book <laughs> because it's a lot closer to my heart. I think that there you know it is good if the if the author particularly first time author if you do if you do put that kind of trust in the publisher and, and the editors and that they know what they're talking about. I think it it'll benefit you. 
Janali, um, for me, the Blue Mountains, I mean, it seems like an obvious place to set something like this. It's a great setting, but what was it for you that drew you to wanting to set this story there? My original idea for the book involved the mother driving around this windy mountain at night time, like crying and just having Kea like terrified in the passenger seat, like, oh my God, we're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> so the that sort of mountain image came to me first and I grew up in the Adelaide Hills, which in many ways reminds me of the Blue Mountains. I mean, obviously it's such a, it's, it's a way smaller scale and it's, you know, different, but you know, I just have such fond memories of growing up in, in Green Hill, which was across the road from Clearland National Park and having, um, you know, fires at night and all this wildlife around you and going on bushwalks. And it was such a, a wonderful place to be as a child. And going to the Blue Mountains, it, it always reminded me of that. So I thought it would be a good place to to set it because it it reminded me of of experiences that I had that I could put in there as well in terms of atmosphere and setting and also Mount Wilson is is was kind of the perfect place to to have them hiding um you know it's a a little um place in the middle it looks like when you look at the map it looks like it's sort of in the middle of nowhere um but and they just have such wonderful gardens down there and it's a, a nice community so that kind of became the the place to to set it Janali, I mean, how how much has writing been a part of your life? I have uh, seen somewhere I think that you said that it's something that you've always come back to is that right? Yeah, it's always been a hobby of mine since I was young and I was definitely just, you know, inspired by reading, doing a lot of reading. Um, you know, my mum's a huge reader, so I, I sort of picked that up from her when I was young um, and I was a really busy child. You know, I did swimming lessons, I did guides, piano lessons, flute lessons, um, you know, the writing, just, you know, it was it was chaotic. Um, but, you know, as some of those other hobbies fell to the wayside, um, writing is something that I always came back to. And I, when I, when I became, when I, you know, graduated from high school, didn't know what to do, got good grades, so I went and did a law degree. But I kind of realised fairly quickly that law wasn't something that I wanted to do forever. Um, I'm still a lawyer, by the way, <laughs> working at the ABC. Um, and uh, so I, I was like, oh, you know, I'll go off and I'll get into musical theatre or I'll be a professional flautist. But I, I think that the writing was something that I had you know not to think too much of myself but I had more of a natural talent for it than I did for say playing the flute which you know I, I went I did you know eighth grade flute through Trinity um, and AMEB up through all those grades but it was always a lot more work for me than than writing so um, yeah I just decided to focus on writing uh, more seriously about 10 years ago and went back to university to, to study to help, you know, improve my skills. So, yeah, it's it's definitely been a part of my life for a very long time. 
Now, Janali, I know we're talking about your current book, but I understand you have been working on something else. There's a couple of things in the pipeline. What can you? What are you allowed to say so far? <laughs> well, I <laughs> so I can definitely talk about uh, Yenda, which was shortlisted for the Text Prize for Young Adults and Children's Writing earlier this year, um, and that's one that's been kind of working away. Um, on the back burner for a while. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's good when, when you have something you've been working on long-term to kind of give it a rest and come back to it with fresh eyes. And I did start that one before I went to university, so I I definitely feel like I'm a more confident writer now. So um, I'm I'm hoping that that will be my next one. It's uh, I'm very excited about it because it's it's young adult, but it's a fantasy, more sort of magic realism, set in uh, remote Northern Territory uh, community, um, and it's a young female protagonist again. And um, yeah, I'm I'm hoping to be able to share that with everyone, hopefully within the next year or so. And is it true that you have a crime novel? And is that crime novel going to be set in the Adelaide Hills? Are we going to see a story set in your setting, <laughs> set at home? <laughs> well, um, I mean, I'm you've really done your research. So the crime, the the crime novel you're probably referring to is one that I did. I was doing a research degree in uh, Indigenous literature, and it was a you know part creative work part exegesis type degree so I as part of that I wrote you know a 70,000 word manuscript and you know they had the uh, crime at the center which was is based on a true um, crime in in New South Wales in a small town and um, you know I wrote it as being a sort of duality between uh, the more sort of Western approach to crime and uh, more um, Indigenous Australian views on on, on things around that. But um, since going back to it, I think they really are two different stories. So that oh. one is definitely a lot, a lot further off because the Western side ended up being a lot more sort of Da Vinci Code meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I don't know where that's going to end up, but uh, it's definitely it's definitely in the works.